Hello and welcome to the No Walls Podcast. Uh, my name is Preston and I'm here once again with Taylor Otterbein. And today uh, I've been processing kind of some leadership questions. So this podcast is going to be more of a leadership oriented podcast, but that it, that can apply to like a lot of different things. This can apply to um, not just the church, but also like secular environments as well. And so um, I hope today is that I can ask some questions that can uh, help me because I actually want to know about these questions, but also they can help you in your leadership in various areas. Uh, and so today what I want to focus on is like the idea of building a team. I think that's really interesting. And Taylor, you are like, you've built several teams. Um, you've built, I mean, every, like there are several teams in the student ministry and you're over the whole student ministry. So like, I think I feel like you're a good person to ask these questions too. And so, uh, yeah, so I guess with building a team, so like, let's say we're starting from scratch in this hypothetical world. There are you're like, I need to, to create something to get the job done. I need a team. Um, how do you go about finding people for the team? Like, how do you go about picking people for the team, I guess, is the first question I have. Yeah, it's a great question. I think for me, um, I'm a huge sports fanatic, right? And so my favorite coaches are coaches that seem to be successful uh, almost no matter who you put in their system. Um, you have a lot of people who achieve things because, you know, they got the once in a generation talent, but then you have a few coaches that seem to be able to pull it off really no matter who you're given. <laughs> and I think the reason those coaches can do that is because instead of like having a, a specific system, <clears throat> um, they have a way of life, they have a way of doing things as opposed to this very specific person has to fit this very specific role is like they, they have a, a, a why to what they do. So I think the first thing when it comes to building teams is you have to know what you like the culture of that team is, what the mission of that team is. And that's usually where people go wrong because hmm. we just kind of we grab people because they seem talented, but they don't carry our belief or our values or our culture or, or, or believe in the thing we're building. And so it's like, you can't just get talented people, get a bunch of talented people together and then put them in any given team and it function well. And there has to be like kind of a, a why, a way to those things. And so I think the first thing that I would do is I would spend more time <laughs> developing like the the mission and the values of your team before you ever get people. Mm. And I think in my experience as someone who has gotten it the other way wrong a lot of times, like early in ministry, early in leadership, <clears throat> I would get people because I could see talent in them and just want to recruit them in, but they didn't fit what I was doing. But then I didn't even know how to bring the best out of them because I didn't know what it was exactly I was doing. I just knew I needed a team. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think the first step in building a team isn't so much the people. It's the culture. It's the mission. Gotcha. And when you get that right, it becomes so much easier to find the people because actually now you know what you're looking for. Mm. If I told you to go to the grocery store and go get that thing on that aisle, there's no chance in the world you're going to get that right. Yeah. But if I tell you, hey, go to aisle 11, grab me a bag of flour because I'm going to go make some cookies. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm looking for now. And so now I can look for the very specific bag of flour that looks and meets the needs that I want. And I think a lot of times we build teams saying, I need someone for this thing sometime. Yeah. And sometimes you get lucky, but way more often than not, it falls apart because it doesn't work. <laughs> I think the first step to building any team 
is figuring out what your DNA is, mm. what your whys are, what your mission is, what your culture is, why you exist. Uh, and then it becomes so much easier to find people. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you do you find that like, so um, the culture thing I think is huge. So like, like knowing the culture of your team. I, I heard this thing a while ago. I think it was in the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Um, and they were talking about how with Navy SEALs when they're <clears throat> learning, when they're in BUDS, uh, training, which is where they where they train to be Navy SEALs, and it's apparently like super, um, like strenuous. It's it's not a good time at all. But one of the things they have to do is they have to race boats, and they were saying that like like they paddle boat, like they're almost like kayaks, I guess. I actually out like the na- canoes. They call them canoes, I think. Um, and they they'll say that you can take the person that got first and the boat that got last, and you can swap the leaders, and almost every time, the the outcomes will swap. So when you swap the leaders, the boat that got last will get first and the boat that got uh, first will get last. And uh, they're saying like they're, they're just like pushing the whole point of like leadership. Yeah. And they're saying because they carry that culture with them. Um, and so I guess I guess my next question is like, do you find that you have to instill the culture in people or do you find that people tend to kind of gravitate towards what you're doing? Like, how does how does that process work? Uh, it, it changes in each scenario because like, Am I building a team or have been given a team? And because that changes so much to the way you build, in my experience, like, now I am naturally kind of a driven, pioneer-esque type person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I find building things to be far more appealing than, um, like, repurposing something or taking something over. Now, that, that, that is unique to my personality. There are a ton of people who would far much rather take something and build on top of that and then to like to start over. But for yeah. me, the reason I like building is because I don't have to tweak anything. It's all fresh. Yeah. So we can start with the very specific vision. Um, and so what I realized, like, so when we took the student ministry over, there was kind of a pre-existing team. Mm-hmm. And so there was a culture, a way of life, um, thought processes that existed uh, far before I got here, <clears throat> I had been here before me, and so when I took the team over, it became painfully aware to me. Like we do not see this the same way. Yeah, um, there are things that matter to me that don't matter to y'all right now. Mm. Um, and what I realized was I needed to figure out what those things were. And so, um, before I took over the team, I spent some time kind of processing where I wanted to go, what I wanted the student ministry to look like. And so I kind of broke down to like, what are these essential things that kind of matter to us? Uh, the church's core values was trying to find a way to make this speak specifically to the students. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back, I walked them through like relationships are like essential for us. Yeah. And so we shifted to do some, like we, we shifted to doing small groups every Wednesday. Uh, they did them a little bit before, but it was kind of like haphazard. And yeah. so we made it very clear, like we're going to run this play no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. so if, they come or they don't come. We're always going to do this. And what I found was is there was some hesitation. Like early on, there's a lot of doubt. Well, this is going to work. We've tried that before. It's like, well, you haven't tried it with me, yeah. and you haven't tried it the way we're going to try it. But they had done it before. And that's what you run into when you have to take over a team. It's like there's a whole pre-existing culture that you're walking into. Mm. Whereas when you're building it, you just you start it. You create it yourself. And so – for the people who are taking over teams, which is, in my experience, far more often than the case. Like, it's, yeah. it, it, most of the time you're taking something over. 
<clears throat> I think you have to be okay with saying bye to some people, <laughs> which is why that first step matters. Like you have got to be clear on what your culture is and what your whys are, what your values are, um, because it's essential. Like, like if you don't, then you're not going to know if someone is good for you or not, or if you're good for them or not, because yeah. there's not really a barometer to exist. And so when I knew what we wanted to be, it became clear, like uh, in the grow or go moments, like, Oh, you just don't believe yeah. in what we believe. Like this, this doesn't matter to you the same way. Mm-hmm. Like you were a part of a different team. This is a new team. You don't believe in the same values or missions. And that's okay that you don't, it's just not going to fit here. And so early on, it was just hammering home that same culture. It's just constantly reminding, constantly talking about it. Like, no, 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 This isn't optional. This is who we are. Relationships yeah. are what matter. No, no, no. We're not going to go do a trip to this random place. It's going to cost $400 for kids who have no money to pay for it. No, we're going to spend all of that energy, time, and resources to making sure they have community here on a Wednesday night, weekend, we got bases, yeah. which was unique to us. Mm-hmm. A lot of reminding. Most people caught it, but there were several that didn't. In fact, I don't think any of the original team that we started with is still here. Mm. Um, I love those people. I'm thankful for those people. But eventually what wound up happening is culture will attract things to itself. Yeah. And so we started adding leaders. You start adding people. And eventually, if you believe in your culture enough, you fight for your culture enough, um, it's going to wind up winning out. Yeah. Um, and, it, and the reason it doesn't, in most cases, people just, it's a hard fight. Yeah. Like when, when a boat's been going left for six years and you want to steer it right, it's some major readjusting. Yeah. And so it's difficult to re-steer that because all the muscle memory is trained to go left, but you're trying to retrain people to go right. That takes time. It takes sweat. It takes tears. It takes blood. It takes effort over and over and over again. Eventually what wound up happening is recruited more and more leaders. And eventually who started with the new culture outnumbered who inherited the previous one. Yeah. And it worked itself out. Yeah. And I think that's why culture matters. Yeah. Because if you'll fight for it long enough, you'll be consistent enough with it, it'll kind of correct for itself. Like, wait, this is just who we are. So we do it works. There's fruit mm-hmm. on the tree, it's healthy for reach, da da da. Uh when you're building teams, uh, you have to carry it yourself. Yeah. Um, and so that what's different about that is like you have to believe in this, you're gonna have to model it. If you're gonna recruit people to something, you gotta look it, you gotta talk it, you gotta say it. And so like when you're trying to build a team, if you're building something or starting something new and you don't really believe in it yet, it's not going to work. Mm. It has to be real to you. It has to be values that really are essential to you because you're going to wind up showing that in the way that you walk, talk, and live. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, I would prefer to build Yeah. yeah because of that. Yeah. It's just really hard to get people to shift perspectives like that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, so when I, when I hopped on, like the team, like as far as like the like the DLT team and the things that are kind of making decisions for Switch, it was already established. Like I would say like the new culture was already established in it. Uh, but one of the things that like you can tell just from talking to you for like an hour is that like the beliefs that you have for the student ministry, they don't stop in the student ministry. Like they are also like in your life. And so when you're talking about like, like we'd be having a conversation. I remember like really early on, we'd be having a conversation and um, I'd ask you some advice on like, how do you handle like this random situation? Like if this happened at Walmart and you'd be like, Oh, it's, it's like, we give up things we love for things we love even more. And like, and like, you'd just be able to like tie those things in. And that's when I was like, I think I became more bought in because I realized this actually isn't just a job. Like this isn't just the thing that you're doing here. This is the thing that's seems to be in every part of your life. And then I was able to buy into like, I think I want a life like that also. Like you seem to have peace. You seem to. And so 
um, I think, yeah, I think you're right about like culture. It, it just became like, I was attracted to the culture that was here. And so whenever you asked me to join the DLT team, like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like I've been wanting, <laughs> I've been wanting to be a part of something like this for a long time. Um, yeah, our DLT team stands for directional leadership team. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of the core group of leaders that lead our student ministry. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is cool though to see like how culture can just like bring people in. Um, it's important to understand that too, though. Yeah. Cause like what I found a lot, especially having like, I haven't always won at ministry and you could probably argue whether I'm winning now or not. But <laughs> I know early on I wasn't. And I remember being so frustrated because I would have a phrase that would say a lot like, people just won't do this. They won't do that. Like I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I've said that sentence. Like, well, we would be killing it if people would just listen or they would just do yeah. or da, 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 da. And there's something that <laughs> Jared has said to me so many times. It's like, we don't say our people won't. We say we haven't led them to. Mm. And mm. man, um, I would argue far more often than not, the things you hate about your organization are on you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I think there are some exceptions every rule, obviously, but very rarely are people just in and of themselves bad. Yeah. They just haven't been taught well. They haven't been led well. They haven't been like shown well. And there are a lot of things that make that difficult. So it's, I'm saying something very simply that is very hard to walk out because depending on how far up the ladder you are, there's only so much effect you can actually make. Right. Right. But in the teams that you do have control over in the areas of your life that you do lead, whether it's at your home, uh, in your business, your workplaces, or or any other teams that you're a part of, like, if there are things you hate about your team, it's probably your fault, not theirs. Yeah. <laughs> because there is an area of your culture you haven't defined well enough yet. You haven't made it clear why we don't do that. You haven't made it make sense why they shouldn't. You just told them not to do things, so it's a bunch of behavior modification, yeah. but you haven't given them the heart behind why it matters. Mm. Well, hey, hey, when you say that and you talk to the customer that way, it provides a negative experience for them. Yeah. And so we're actually reaffirming for them these terrible things they went through all week. So it's actually making them less likely to come. Yes, we're losing money, but more holistically than that, like that person doesn't feel good here. Yeah. And that's why they're not coming back. Yeah. It's these bigger moments that they feel micro, but you haven't given them the advice. Hey, just don't be mean. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. You didn't really make me feel what being mean did to that client. Yeah. And when I can feel that I can internalize the way like I may have reaffirmed for them a lifelong story that was negative, like it starts to shift a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think that when we're looking at our teams and things aren't working the way, like there are some things this year that when I was looking back after we took our break for switch, I realized like, man, that didn't go as well as I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I'm like processing it. It's like, it's not my team's fault. It's my fault. I didn't make some things clear enough. Um, I'm like, dang it, that makes sense. Like, uh, for example, <coughs> when we were, we, we like switch grew a lot this year. And so what I, I, I kind of started the year out walking our team through like, hey, I really need you guys to see this as like a, a full church experience. Because mm. unlike most areas of the church, the student ministry that we presently have, okay, we have children's ministry in there. We have a worship team in there. We have a yeah. tech team in there. We have a host team in there. We have an operations team. Like it's big enough now that we legitimately are running what I would argue all day long is like a full church experience. Mm-hmm. Call the things you find on Sunday, you now find on Wednesday. <coughs> and so I told my DLT team, the directional leadership team, like, hey, I need you guys to really own this. Like, see this. Like, you guys are no longer just leaders. Like, you're carrying kind of the role of pastor here. Like, yeah. we need to lead these teams and we created teams. And my leaders did a beautiful job. You guys crushed it. Towards the end of the year, like the last three months, there was some serious culture shifting. Mm. Like, uh, 
people weren't showing up. Um, or well, they were showing up late, I guess. Yeah. They weren't staying in their roles, like in their spots, or kind of fluctuating in and out. Um, and there was just a general loss of energy. Like I could feel it. Like this thing's losing steam. Kind of was processing behind that. Like your initial response, like, I mean, I what like you guys just got to do it. You just got to do the work. But then yeah. I realized, like, I didn't. It, looking back, I realized I did not set you guys up as a team well enough yet. Mm. Like, so I gave you a team, but I didn't like in front of the people you're leading hand off the authority well enough. Mm. So I gave you authority. I empowered you, but I didn't empower you in front of them. And so, which I think over time kind of started to trickle out. Well, they're just another leader. So no, no, you're not just a leader. There's like, there is a, there's a tier to this. Like yeah. you guys carry a bigger weight, thus you have a higher responsibility. And so this year I'm going to fix that, but I can look back and realize like the things that frustrated me about switch last year were my fault. I didn't communicate clear enough who these leaders were and what these teams were and why they mattered so much so. And so this year I'll, I'll recorrect to that. But yeah. I think when you're looking at your teams and you find things you don't like, it's usually because there's a culture shift somewhere. There's yeah. some there's some clarity or some whys that either aren't clear enough or they need to be reaffirmed. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I didn't notice how um, how important like leadership equity was or that even, it was really even a real thing until I started leading some teams. But like we had... This past Sunday, I finally got to hand off the tech team to <laughs> Let's dude, go. Chris. Um, Let's go. And I'm so stoked about that, man. He's he's gonna step into it and he's he's gonna crush it. But me and you had had the conversation uh on like before I handed it off and I was talking to you about that and I was like, I think I'm just gonna send a text in the group chat and be like, Hey, this is Chris's thing. And like you were like, Hey, I really recommend like making it in person. That way they can see like you are handing it off to him. Like you get your equity kind of gets to go to him. And also you can answer any questions if anyone has any of them. And I really think, so I did that. And then instead of sending a text to the people who couldn't make it, I actually like made a video. And I think both of those things actually seem to have shifted a lot faster than I thought they would be. Like people were already asking him questions on Sunday. Um, it seemed like people were already kind of like, like taking him like as the leader. And I thought that was a cool, a cool thing. I'd never really seen equity move like that before. Like I'd never been able to pass on equity like that, I guess. Yeah. I've seen it move like from you to me in different situations. But um, I thought that was pretty neat. That's something I, I don't think you're really taught outside of like leadership classes and stuff that equity exists. I think it's, it's hard to like, it, like, I mean, it's easy like to say like on this side of things, like I think sometimes we can have conversations like this and make things sound so simple. And they are like, I actually think life in general is not that complicated. I just think the consistency of life is super hard to, to maintain. Yeah. Um, but you get so busy in the flow of building a team that um, when when the next thing needs to happen, like you've spent weeks, months, years coming to certain conclusions. And that's how you came to this point. Yeah. But all the other people that are now affected by the shift in leadership or the, or the change in position or the new role that's being created, well, they weren't along for that six to 12 month journey. Right. Yeah. So you have all the whys answered internally, but you have not communicated them to anybody. So all those same people have all those same questions you had and maybe more so. Yeah. And, and when we don't set up that next role, that next person or the new thing we're creating with clear culture, clear answers, it just, it gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And, and it makes sense that it happens. You're so busy doing other things, but like, you really cannot pay enough attention to culture. Yeah. Like you, you just can't, you can't over communicate enough. You can't say enough. I and mean, we have like 10 core values and we say them 
all the yeah. time. Like if you attend the church for more than a month, you're going to hear a core value every single week for four weeks. Yeah. Because like we are constantly trying to remind you, like Jared calls them CROs, chief reminding officers. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. Like we want to remind you constantly of who we are because what we know is, is the second we stop doing it, culture will start to shift. Yeah. Um, so to, to kind of, I guess, shift that a little bit. So when you're, when you're building a team, um, how, how do you, like, like the idea of just getting a bunch of random people onto a team that don't really know each other, they're oftentimes strangers, I would say, until they're on the team with each other. How do you manage the whole, like, tension of, like, them getting along? Is that, like, a, is that something you keep, a, like, a close no. eye on? Or? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> so you can't bat a thousand. Yeah. Right. So no matter how good you are at it, you're going to have people that just beef. And I mean, that's honestly, if you're doing it right, you're going to. Mm-hmm. Like if we're trying to push for new, reach more, love more, help more, <clears throat> there'll be a natural tension in there. And so there's going to be moments where beef exists. And I've had it. It happens. You process through it. But I think part of it <clears throat> is what you prioritize will show up. <clears throat> and I see my team and switch as a family. Yeah. I refer to them as family. I talk about them as family. When I recruit new leaders in, I welcome them to the family. Yeah. And so, I mean, you've got to kind of, it goes back to the culture a little bit of like figuring out what it is you want your team to be. But for me, I want people to get along. Yeah. I want it to feel like every Wednesday is kind of like the best version of Thanksgiving yeah. where we all get along and we have fun, we play wiffle ball, like, I want it to feel like that because when you're having fun, people are going to have fun with you. Right. And so inside of Switch, we've always prioritized having fun as the thing that we do and what something that we prioritize. Um, and so when we get these people into the team, there's a bunch of core values we have as a church, but one of them is we laugh hard, loud, and often yeah. because there's nothing more fun than serving God with people that you love. And so that core value is really essential to the way that I build my teams. I want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I want to laugh. I want to, I want to, I want to do all the goofy. Like I, I want it to be a good time because life is difficult enough. And so like, I want to make sure that I'm intentional about creating space that's fun. So like for, for, uh, <clears throat> for the flow of a calendar year, mm-hmm. we do a big Christmas party. Yeah. Could just the leaders. Yeah. Cause when we get down, we, we don't do switch for three weeks. So kids get a Christmas break and the week, the first week of that, I get all of the switch leaders together and we have a full on Christmas party. I cook a bunch of food. Yeah. <laughs> we play some games. We do Dirty Santa. We just laugh a lot. We have a ton of fun. We smile. We goof around and we just, we chill. Um, and then at the very beginning of the year, when we launch in September, I do a whole leader night. So the whole night's dedicated to just the leaders. The week before Switch comes back from some break, we bring the worship team in, they do worship, I cast vision, we smile, we eat food, we hang out. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do all throughout the process of the year are to create these very intentional moments where we're laughing, we're having fun. And then on like a week-in, week-out basis, we do a huddle before switch starts mm-hmm. and we're celebrating the good things that have happened. Mm-hmm. We're talking about anytime lives are changed, we're, 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 uh, we're celebrating new steps. Hey, this person on the team took this new role. Hey, this yeah. person, they got on stage for the first time. Like, how amazing is that? Yeah. Like we're developing communicators and we're, we're celebrating them for having the courage to take the step or someone's on doors for the first time or they're doing a tribe for the first time. Like yeah. we don't want to miss the moments to find opportunities to celebrate because we want this to be family. We want it to be fun. We want to enjoy it. And so what I have found 
Because if you enjoy doing what you do and you want to make sure other people enjoy it with you, you'll find the ways to make that work. It's just prioritizing it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I think that's probably the biggest piece. The way you try to have people have fun together is you just make sure fun's essential. Mm-hmm. It's not optional. Like, we are going to have fun. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not asking for permission for you to enjoy being a part of Switch. I'm going to make sure that Switch is fun <laughs> for you. Yeah. Because it matters to me. And so that's how you do that, yeah. in my opinion, is you make it a priority and you create moments. Like, whether it's a leader night or play a game with just your leaders or you shoot a video to tell them how much you matter yeah. or how much they matter to you. Um, you write them thank you notes. You know, like during Christmas, every one of our like 38 leaders gets a handwritten note from me. Yeah. Um, let me just tell them how much I appreciate them and very specifically like them individually. Like, hey, you matter to me because of. Yeah. Um, and it's just things like that. And it's like not to say that I'm the best in the world. There's a ton of areas I can get better at, but there are ways that will be unique to you. Like, you'll do things that I won't do and prioritizing making sure people feel loved, cared for, and that it's family will ultimately create the environment that you're really looking for at least i think so it's worked so far yeah so yeah that makes sense they uh one thing that's cool and you can tell that it's like it's done well i think is that like people are excited about the christmas party like the christmas party something people look forward to every year i think that's really cool it's not like this like corporate like like we gotta do this thing like i know y'all but if you're gonna be a part of the team you just gotta show up and bring a five dollar gift because you know it's like People are excited about it. Like, they're asking about it all year. And I think that's really neat. I've, 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 we've built a lot of, like, memories in those uh, parties. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, man. Having, being intentional about having fun, it just makes every team you're on better. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm sipping my own Kool-Aid a little bit on that because it's just the way I want to do teams. But it, it does. It, it makes life easier. Um, the difficult moments hit less hard because, you know, you've had fun. Like, when I was pitching to the new leaders last year in August when we were recruiting for the launch in September, um, like something hit me for the first time. It was like the pitch I gave was like, no, come, come change lives. You're going to change lives. Like, it, like in student ministry, like we're here to love these kids. Well, create a safe space where they can belong for, they believe to connect with them, like to help them find out there are some adults in their life that really just want to see them win. Yeah. Uh, and part of that pitch though was like, like not only is it good for them, it'll be good for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. this isn't just a place to pour out. What you're going to inherit is a family also. Yeah. Like, because what I know is not only, it's not just 16-year-olds that don't feel like they have family. Yeah. It's a lot of 40-year-olds who don't either. Mm-hmm. And when you come to Switch, you gained one. Yeah. And, like, man, that pitch resonated. Yeah. And now we've got, like, four or five people on our team from last year that I can tell, like, oh, this is home for you. Yeah. This is not, like, a place just to serve. Like, this really is family. And so getting to see that happen was really, really special to me. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen people, like, change their whole work schedules just to make sure that they can be here on a Wednesday. Yeah. And that's, like, that's insane. Um, I, I, I have a, one question for you, and I feel like this is this is a very specific example. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I can just feel, like, I want to talk to the person that might be going through something like this. So, like, let's say I've inherited a team. Okay. And I am about to, like, it's, it's my team now. I'm about to take it over. And there's someone on the team who I don't particularly like. Can I lead people that I don't like? Ooh, that's a great question. And there might be need to be more specifics for this, but like, what what is your what's your initial? Yeah. So, um, I mean, so I'm gonna get some answers. Yeah. But a few caveats that I just immediately think of is like, you don't always have the power to to hire, fire, or let go. Mm, yeah. So, True. what I'm gonna walk you through is 
kind of assuming that those can exist for you because if you can't let someone off your team, then I, I it becomes very nuanced. And so I would need to yeah. have a one-on-one almost with that person to try to figure out like how to help them make sense of that. So my answer is going to be assuming you have the freedom yeah. to let go or add to your team. Yeah. If not, and you really like you are the person that you're talking about, just message us and I can like, like I'll set up a phone call or something. We can walk through it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So that preface out the way. So for me, <clears throat> this comes down to culture. And I know I keep talking about it, but mm-hmm. I really think it is the most important thing about your organization. But inside the culture, there are some, some whys, mm-hmm. some, some things that we believe in, some things that we are. Uh, when I have people on my team that I don't particularly vibe with, the first question I'm asking is, like, are you fighting for the same things we're fighting for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, are you here for the, the right reasons? So when I'm, like, when, I, when I've got someone who kind of just irks me a little bit, like, we've had people on our team that just are not my personal cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I find those friction moments, I'm trying to walk through, like, why are we not clicking? Like, yeah. why is this not working? And the first thing I'm trying to get to is like, so do we believe we're fighting for the same cause? Yeah. So if you're in switch and I don't vibe with you, like we would not normally or regularly hang out <clears throat> in any setting outside of here. Do you want to see students loved? Right. Do you want God's best for these kids? Are you willing to show up to be consistent? <clears throat> if those answers are yes, could I have found is that over time, <clears throat> the things that annoy me, hurt me, or don't make sense to me, a couple of things will happen. One, I'll find out that they're superpower. Mm. Like mm. Yeah. they frustrated me because I didn't understand how valuable they were. So for yeah. example, someone on our DLT team now, his name's Tyler Sisson. Yeah. When I first met Tyler, I did not like Tyler. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever told Tyler this. I think I have. Well, he's going to find me. Listen to this. <laughs> He was not my. He was not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um. He went in on a really hot take that like we were like simultaneously kind of doing, mm. and I was like, "This is like the worst first impression ever." And then like the way he kind of like he messaged me on Facebook about wanting to be inside of the student ministry. Like, hey, can I serve? Mm. Like, and we didn't have any convo. It was, and I and I had no like mutual friends. Like, I was like. <laughs> Definitely background checking this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just did not. Like, almost everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. Yeah. And I started hanging out with him. And I'm like, dude's goofy. Like, just, <laughs> like, again, who weren't really vibing. Um, what I could tell after I talked to him, because he wanted to see all the same things I did. Yeah. They really, really, really loved these kids. Yeah. And, and wanted to see God's best for them. Uh, and wanted to be there for them and show up every single time and super faithful. Yeah. Eventually what I found out was a lot of his quirks, um, his goofiness is what made him probably the best middle school tribe leader we'd ever had up to that point. Yeah. Like if he cracked a code we didn't have and, and I was able to coexist in that season where we didn't really mesh very well because he believed the same things and fought for the same things. And what wound up happening was those things that kind of annoyed me, they wound up being the very things I needed. Like like you wound up being an answer to our team that I didn't even know I was looking for. Yeah. And so what I found a lot in my life, because when I have people that frustrate me, irk me, but they, they get it. Like they're fighting for the same thing. They may not be fighting the way I'm fighting, but they are fighting and have the same whys Mm -hmm. and the right heart. 
a lot of the time, the things that annoy me wound up being pieces in my tool belt I didn't have that I needed. And it mm. just didn't make sense at the time. <laughs> the other thing that I find out happens is my people on my team kind of get it. They believe the why they're fighting for the same things, but they, they don't mesh with me. Mm-hmm. Um, the longer they're on the team, I start finding out there are some reasons behind those. Mm. Um, like, for example, our worship pastor, Trevor, irks the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. There may be nobody in life that frustrates me more than Trevor does. Mm-hmm. Um, and the longer I did life with him, the more I started realizing out some of the whys behind those things. Yeah, Some of the stories and the memories and the moments that created and cultivated some of, some of the things in my own life that I hadn't addressed yet. But we were fighting for the same whys. Yeah. So while he annoyed the crap out of me, we were still fighting for the same things. Now we're super close. And what happens is, is when people are fighting for the same causes, but they frustrate you a lot of times, you'll start finding out some of the reasons. And what does is it creates empathy. Hmm. And so they don't frustrate yeah. you anymore. Now you're almost like you're, you're sad that they happen to that person. You actually want to fight to be one less person to affirm that insecurity. Yeah. That empathy creates space for you to want to see the best for the individual that was at one point in time very frustrating for you. Yeah. And so when you're fighting for the same things and you believe the same things, but they get on your nerves, almost always those two things play out, in my opinion. Mm. And, and, and then you'll, like, like somewhere along the line, uh, if you build your team right, you don't have to be the person that hangs up with everybody anyways. Right. Once the team gets big enough, like, it'll be family. So, like, there just may be some people on the team you mesh better with than I do, and that'll yeah. be okay with that. Like, this is part of the natural course. But when you're building a team or you're repurposing and you're trying to fix that culture, if they're fighting for the same whys, yep. but you don't like them very much and you were on the same page of what you're fighting for, I would argue that nine out of ten times one of those two things is going to wind up being true for you. Yep. Now, if you have someone on your team and you aren't fighting for the same why, like it is very clear they are trying to take your team left yeah. And you know you're supposed to go right. You gotta let them go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, sit down and have conversations. It's not like let me let me back up just a little bit. You need to get coffee. You need to talk. You need to process. You need to answer questions. You need to give them opportunities to give you feedback. Yeah. But when you come to the conclusion, and you believe that they are not fighting for the same cause you are fighting for. It's just time to say bye. Yeah. There's a better team for them. There will be a place that they belong. There will be a place that is in line with their internal core values and things they want. But the longer you two stay together, it's bad for you and them. Yeah. They're going to be bad for your organization. You're going to be bad for them because yeah. you're trying to make a square peg fit around whole. Mm-hmm. If we are not on the same page on the thing that we are fighting for, I've asked all the questions I've asked. I've created all the opportunities for feedback I can. I've given you all the chances I know to give, and it's very clear now. I have come to the conclusion we are not moving the same direction. It's just time to say bye. Yep. And I don't think there's any other way around that one. Yep. You can't make people be different people. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, have you, I, I'm assuming you've had moments where that's, both of those things have been the case? Yeah, so my best friend <clears throat> in the world, Michael Drossett, was like 20 years old, I was a student pastor. <coughs> I was way too young and immature to be leading anybody. But here we are. Mm-hmm. And he was my worship pastor. And, man, we have made all the experiences in life. Man, like just, 
He knew me well before I met Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he had too much history. And so I was trying to basically lead my best friend. Yeah. And it just wasn't working. Yeah. He couldn't take feedback from me. And I wasn't good at giving feedback. Like if I could go back to the 20 year old version of myself, I'm sure there's a lot of things I could have done differently. But like just in the season of life, where we both were with our maturity levels. Like there was no world <clears throat> in which he was ever going to really follow me that well. Yeah. He thought he knew just as much as I did. <clears throat> he was there in all my dumbest moments. He had all of the details of all the crazy things. It just made it really, really hard, which is why like most of the time you can't work with your family. Yeah. And so this became one of those moments. I was like, dude, I love you like crazy. You know I'm going to stay at still be like, but we can't. This isn't working. You cannot be my worship pastor. Like, we can't, like, we're just going different ways, da 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 da. Um, and that's probably like the first immediate one I can think of where mm. it's like, we are not on the same page at all. We're best friends still. Like, that, yeah. that's my dude. He is crushing it at the church he's at. But when we were 19, 20, nah, man, there was no way. Yeah. We were too close, too, too much friends and just couldn't follow the lead. And eventually it became clear, like, yeah, you just want to do this differently than I do. And I can't win you to it because you think I'm dumb. So yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> and even since, there have been people on our teams who have had conversations with them like, I just isn't, it's not there anymore. Like, yeah. I love you. I want to see you win. Um, but we're not, we're not fighting for the same cause anymore. Like life has changed. Um, I mean, and every person who's ever setting someone down thinks that they haven't shifted. Right. It's like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And like, I shifted the needle for me, but in most of those cases, it seems like the other person has made the move. Yeah. So I'm sure from every vantage point, it could shift, but in almost all the scenarios I could think of since, it's just like, for whatever reason, this isn't what you love the same way. Like, you don't want to put the work in, you don't want to show up, you want to be consistent, or you think these things don't matter anymore. You read a book that changed your perspective on something. Um, Life shifted. You got busier. Like, there's an endless number of reasons somebody could just decide. But, like, yeah, I've had moments where I've had to sit down and lovingly walk somebody through. Like, I just don't think we're the best team for you. And we have. Like, we've got people who are serving in other portions of the church now. Yeah. In my particular context, and thriving. Yeah. Cause it just wasn't the best team for them anymore. Life changed and they shifted and yeah. like, I'm, I'm good with that. Cause now they're crushing it. Yeah. Well, um, just to like last final question, uh, what would you say like as some encouragement to someone who is taking over a team or stepping into leadership for the first time, or is maybe like in a position where they're, they're kind of ready to like, maybe they've been frustrated in their role and they're ready to kind of give it some more, like give it another try. Do you have any like encouragement you would give or like, I guess, broad advice to someone in leadership? Yeah. So if you're going to lead anywhere, make sure you like the soil. Mm. Um, Cause you're going to join a team, build a team, part of any organization, make sure it's an organization that you like being a part of their team. Mm. Uh, if you don't, no matter what you build below you, it's, it's going to suffer. Yeah. Um, so my first bit of advice, second bit of advice is um, just be honest. Like nobody is perfect. No one's going to get it all right. You're going to miss a lot. I still miss a lot. Like when we, I'm taking our DLT team on a trip and the beginning of the DLT trip is just going to be me apologizing for the areas I missed last year. Um, and part of that is like, I, I, well, A, I am actually sorry because like, dang it, we could have done it a little bit better, but also like, I need you to see, like, I'm not perfect. Thus, I don't expect you to be perfect. Like we're just not going to get it all right all the time. Life is busy. Leading teams are hard. So there are going to be some moments where you fail. So when you fail, just be honest about it. Don't cover it up. Don't hide it. Call it out uh, and use it as an opportunity to teach. Like, hey, even I can miss it. So when y'all miss it, I'm not going to be too hard on you either. We're just going to grow from it. We're going to learn from it. 
Um, I think that's the biggest piece. People, what's the thing Craig Groeschel says all the time? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, what's like the anecdote? Yeah, what it's like uh, uh, based. I don't know. So essentially, be authentic and be honest. Like yeah. every, every leader, no one wants to serve a leader that's always right. They want to serve a leader that's always honest. Yes, it is. Or always like real, that. something it's like that. Definitely, always real. I think. Always real. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, the point I would say is people are attracted to authenticity, yeah. not perfection. Yeah. And in fact, the more you try to project yourself to be perfect and have all the answers, it actually makes it that much harder to follow you because now they don't feel like they can ask you questions. So my challenge to you, whatever team you're building, just be real. Be honest that you're not perfect and give people grace for when they're not also. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, I think it's a good place to end this thing. Let's I appreciate do it. you talking to me today, man. Love, Love you, brother. You.